Welcome to Testify It, where we are sharing the love of Christ and building people up through testimonies and teaching. Our passion is to share how God is working in people's lives today. This is Christopher Wagner with Testify It, and I am here today with my brother in Christ, Keith Cluter, who I actually got to know through FCA and uh, a fellow brother of ours. Welcome, Keith. Great to be here, Christopher. I'm very interested. We've got to talking here, and I'm hearing pieces of your story. I'm very interested to hear your story today and how you came to Christ. Well, I am always thrilled to tell my story, and every time I tell it, I'm still amazed at uh, looking back how God worked in my life and God spoke to me. And it's it's a humbling thing to know that God cared so much about a, a sinner like me, and uh, I'm thrilled. So um, I was raised in a small farming community in Iowa, Parkersburg, Iowa, population 1900 approximately. And I had the blessing of being raised in a family with Christian parents who made sure I got to Sunday school and gospel meetings as often as I possibly could. And there's a Sunday school song that we sing that says, I have a soul to be saved. May this truth be engraved on my mind and my heart while I'm young. And as a young boy, I can still remember the first time truth was engraved on my heart. And there was a a gentleman by the name of Paul Elliott who was a preacher of the gospel. I, I grew up listening to Mr. Elliott. And I can distinctly remember him standing up one day and saying, you have a soul that will never cease to exist. It will be forever in either heaven or hell. And I remember, just as a young boy, remembering that, thinking like, wow, my soul is never going to end. And I was just like any normal kid. I liked to play. Although the problem with being in a small town, there weren't a lot of kids around. And a lot of my friends lived on farms. So growing up, I didn't have a whole lot of people to play with, but um, I had a cousin who lived out in a farm, and uh, once a year I would go out to his farm and spend a week, and we would take our little uh, mini bikes. He had a mini bike, and I, I would bring mine, and we would drive through the fields, up and down along the fences, and we had a great time. His name was Dalen, and Dalen was uh, two years older than I was, exactly. We had the same birthday, October 16th, and I'll never forget the day that uh, it was early in the morning, and my mother walked into my room crying, and uh, Dalen had gotten up that day, and the bus had not come yet to his farm, and uh, he put his books on the picnic table and jumped on his mini bike and went for a little ride before the bus came. So he crossed the, uh, crossed the gravel road and rode down the trail in the field and turned and came back, and he looked up to the east. Um, and the school bus was just cresting the hill, so he thought, oh, we better hurry up. So he, he hit the throttle of his mini bike, but he didn't look to the west, to his left, and he didn't see the dump truck that was coming. And that truck hit Dalen. He did not have his helmet on, and he hit his head, and he never woke up again. He was 12 years old. And so as a young boy of 10, 
I remember looking at my cousin, and for the very first time in my life, I thought to myself, if that were me in that casket, where would my soul be? But at 10 years old, um, I, those thoughts quickly got out of my mind, and I began to play and have fun and be with my friends, and I'm a, a very, uh, I love people, I love being around people, and uh, so I like having a, a good time. And I can remember three years later, my grandfather passing away. Now, my grandfather was saved, so I knew he was in heaven. And it really didn't speak to me that much until I was walking out the funeral home with my grandmother, who was holding my arm. It was right after Christmas, and the sidewalk was icy. And she was holding on to my arm, and she, I remember her saying, um, your grandfather is in a better place. But what if that were you in that casket? And again... There was a knife through my heart because I knew I wasn't saved. I knew my soul would be in hell. And it spoke to me. But again, a um, short period of time later, I was back with basketball practice and with my friends. And when you grow up in a small school, um, I had 36 kids in my graduating class. I grew up and I was involved in the marching band the concert band, the jazz band, the regular choir, the swing choir, students in it. I was on the, in the drama. I was in all the plays. I was part of the speech class. I played basketball, and I was on the golf team. So there's a lot of things going on, and there were a lot of distractions that kept me from thinking about God and thinking about my soul. Um, my, Christ, my, my mom and dad attend... Uh, fellowship with Christians gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the building they meet in is called a Gospel Hall. There are several Gospel Hall assemblies all through northeastern Iowa, where I'm from, and what that means is quite often they were having gospel meetings. Wherever there was a gospel meeting or a gospel series of meetings where men would come and either pitch a tent or they would preach in the same building night after night and after night, I would be there. My parents saw to it that I would hear the gospel as often as I could, and I was respectful of that. But Christopher, I couldn't wait to get on my own. I couldn't wait to see what the world had to offer and what kind of pleasure there was, what kind of fun there was to be had in the world. And uh, God worked. It, it was amazing. I, I went on a date, and I started uh, the first time I'd met this girl, we went out, and uh, she says to me, I don't even know if you're saved. And I said, wait a minute, you know what it means to be saved? And she says, oh yeah, I'm saved. And it's like, there, I was trying to get away, and God was bringing this girl into my life, who we continued to date um, for a year, and uh, I was dating a saved girl who prayed for me. So wow. God spoke to me, um, but finally... I graduated high school, and I'm off to college. Attended the University of Northern Iowa, which was only 20 miles from my hometown. It was very close enough that I could commute, but I wanted to stay in the dorms. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to be out from under my mom and dad's strict Christian home. And, uh, you know, they, they tried to keep me from things, although they, I was still getting into things that I shouldn't have been in. But I... Um, now, here I am in the dorms, and I have 30 playmates. There's guys up and down the hall 
there's always somebody willing to go play basketball. Let's go through the football. Let's go to the ball. Let's go to the bar. Let's do whatever. And I had a great time. I had a lot of fun. Um, but I can still remember coming home after a night at the bars with my friends and laying down in my bed. And I'm very, very passionate about music. I love music, and music speaks to me. And a hymn came to mind, and it said, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. And there I was in that state, trying to get away from God, and yet God was speaking to me, knowing that I, I didn't want to miss it. I didn't want to miss out on God's salvation. So after my first year of college, um, I went back home, and I was very excited because I had a lot of friends who went to different colleges and we were all going to be home for the summer and it was going to be a great time and looking forward to having fun with my friends. And the first Sunday night after I got back home, um, I was standing outside after church and a gospel meeting and uh, someone said to me, oh, um, yeah, these, these two men, Mr. Norman Crawford from uh, Michigan and Mr. Harold Paisley, who was from Toronto, they were coming to the Butler County Fairgrounds in Allison, Iowa. They had uh, a building had been arranged, uh, rented, and they were going to preach from that building every night. And my heart sank because I didn't want to go to gospel meetings and ruin my great summer. And I'm like, oh, what a what a terrible thing to hear. So, out of respect for my parents and respect for the gospel, I went. And I went almost every night. And I can remember it was the Monday night of the third week. So I had sat through two weeks of gospel, listening to the gospel. The Monday night of the third week, Mr. Paisley spoke from the gospel of Luke. And he talked about a fig tree that there was no fruit on it. So the owner of the vineyard said, listen, cut that cut that vine down, that fig tree, cut it down. And the keeper of the vineyard said, no, let's, just let me, let me take care of it one more year. Let me fertilize it and water it and I'll tend to it. And next year, if there's no fruit, we'll cut it down. And all I could think about was how many times I had heard the gospel. And what if last year had been the year that the Lord says, I'm going to give Keith one more year and if I don't see any fruit, I'm going to cut him down. And I was driving home that night with my mom and my sister in the vehicle. And, and the thought, I can tell you exactly where I was when I realized I need to get this settled now. And I dropped my mom and my sister off at home and I drove on to the Applington, Iowa, where Mr. Crawford was staying. He was staying with my aunt and uncle. And uh, I went in and told him, I said, listen, I, I want to be saved. I want to get saved tonight. And he said, that's great. So we, we talked for a little bit. And um, he says, what, you know, what's keeping you from getting saved? And I said, well, I, I don't think I'm, I'm troubled enough. Because Christopher, I'd heard people talk about uh, being in soul trouble and, and weeks on end where they just couldn't get it and couldn't think, and it was just a burden to them. And well, there's really, I wasn't feeling that. So I thought to myself, well, I said to him, 
I don't think I'm troubled enough. And he wisely pointed out to me, he says, Keith, it's not how you feel about God. It's how God feels about you. And we read some verses, and he gave me some gospel tracts, and then he did something that just surprised me to no end. He told me to go home. I thought, man, go home? So I went home, and I... uh, Went to my bedroom and when I'm laid in my bed and I'm reading my Bible and I'm reading these gospel papers and nothing. And I fell asleep. And the next morning I wake up and I, I started in again. I'm reading these, reading my Bible and I, I just couldn't see it. And I was so frustrated because I thought my whole life I could get saved whenever I wanted to. And here I was trying and I couldn't see it. And the thought struck me was um, maybe you've had an experience when you've been looking for something so intently you can't see it, whether it's your car keys or your wallet or something, and then you stop looking, and there it is. So I thought to myself, I'm, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to crawl my best friend Phil, and we're going to shoot some baskets, and uh, I'm going to come back maybe after lunch, and maybe I'll get it. So I went down to the bottom of the stairs to call Phil, and my mom met me at the bottom of the stairs, and she said, she says, dear, uh, Phil's been in an accident this morning. He pulled out in front of an 18-wheeler, and it broadsided him, and Phil did not have his seatbelt on, um, which was good in a way, because the tractor trailer hit him on the driver's side of his parents' Pontiac, and he broke the passenger front window with his face. He was thrown across the window, and he was bruised and some scrapes, but he was okay. But the second I heard that, I said to myself, God wants me to get saved today. And I turned around and went back upstairs to my room. And I think I stayed there all all day until it was time to go to the gospel meeting that night. I went, and I couldn't tell you what was spoken on. I have no idea. I came home that night, and I'm lying on my bed, and for the very first time, you see, Christopher, I was was a good kid, because I'm telling you that because people told me I was a good kid. Um, I was very respectful, um, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm better than a lot of people. But there I was, struggling with this, and the thought struck me for the very first time in my 19 years of life. God would be just if he sent me to hell because I'm a sinner. I am an ungodly sinner. And I'm reading, and I was reading in Romans chapter 5, and uh, I knew Romans 5 and 6 by heart. Um, Christ died for the ungodly. But I was reading, and I read verse 7, then it came to Romans 5 and 8, and I, I honestly don't remember having ever having read that before, but it says God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we are sinners, or because we are sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I'm a simple guy. I like simple. Talk to me in a simple way, and I understand it. Christ died for us one-syllable words. I like that. And I envisioned in my mind a camera over the Lord Jesus Christ's left shoulder pointed downward while he was on the cross. 
and I was standing at the foot. And he simply said, I'm here for you. I'm doing this for you. And immediately another hymn comes to mind. I told you music is a powerful thing on me. And the, the words of this hymn said, it was for me, yes, all for me. Oh, love of God, so great, so free. Oh, wondrous love, I'll shout and sing. He died for me, my Lord and King. And guess what, Christopher? There was no bright light. There were no angelic sounds. I didn't, I didn't know. As a matter of fact, I didn't know that I had gotten saved until the next day I got up. I went back to visit with Mr. Crawford again, and I said, listen, this, this, this is still on my mind, and I explained to him what happened, and I said, I, I know that Jesus died on the cross for me, but there's got to be something more. There's got to be more to it. And he simply smiled and says, my boy, that's all I have for all eternity is understanding Christ died for me. And you know, friend, if you're listening to this today, I would implore you uh, because every day you look at the headlines or you read the, uh, the web, it's nothing but terrible, terrible news. And, and we are definitely very, very close to the last days. I mean, time is running short. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And if you are looking for something that is uh, exciting, something that's going to fulfill you, like I wanted to see what the world had to offer, can I tell you that one of the Rolling Stones uh, magazine has called this song the number one rock and roll song of all time. And it was written by a man who woke up in the middle of the night, leaned over on his nightstand, and he jotted some notes down on a piece of paper. And the words of this song basically sum up what the world has to offer. And it says, I can't find no satisfaction. I can't find no satisfaction. But I tried, and I tried, and I tried, but I can't find no satisfaction. And I'm here to tell you, friend, just like another hymn says, none but Christ can satisfy. And I have been saved on June 19th, 1984. And not for one instant have I regretted it. Not for one instant would I ever exchange it for anything, anything this world or 10,000 worlds have to offer. There's nothing like it, and I implore you, I pray, and Christopher prays, that's why we're here doing this today, that you would come to know Jesus Christ personally before it's too late. Thank you for listening. Keith, thank you for sharing. What an amazing thing. Christ died for me. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 2.2 where Paul says, I came to you, know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified, yeah. because that's it, right? Christ yeah. died. Or Galatians 2 and 20. And he says, you know, I now live in the, the life I live now in the faith I live by the flesh, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's an amazing thing when you think about the creator of the universe knew me before the foundation of the world was created. Not only knew me, but loved me and sent his only son for me that I could have eternal life. That to me is just 
I can't wrap my hand around it. Thank you for listening today. I hope you were truly blessed. If you want to know more information about Testify It, please visit us at testify.com. That's www.testifyit.com. Do you have a testimony to share? We'd love to hear from you. Just go to testifyit.com and fill out the testimony form. You can find it at the bottom of any page on the site. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and truly want one, call out to Him today. Decide to give over your life, surrendering it to Him, and choose to follow Him. He has already paid the price for your sins with His death on the cross, and He was raised on the third day and will give you everlasting life with Him. You will be born again, and He will place His Holy Spirit within you. Until next time, remember, you are loved by God, and He deeply desires a relationship with you. Thank you.